welcome to this episode on season four of Building Digital Community. I'm your host, Chirag Shath, and I'm in the last semester of my MBA program at the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. Now, Building Digital Community started off as a project to help build relationships in a world where we couldn't meet in person due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, since its inception in August of 2020, this podcast has become so much more. It's become a platform for people to share their story and an opportunity for us to strengthen this amazing community and highlight some of the great people within it. Make sure to follow us at Building Digital Community on Instagram or reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or on Twitter at ChirakShet24. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. On this episode of the podcast, we're welcoming Leslie Ann Blakely. Leslie Ann is a graduate from McMaster University's Life Sciences program and the DeGroote MBA program, and currently works in operations on the client experience team at Wealthsimple. Since graduating from Mac, she's built a career working at technology startups in healthcare, enterprise software, and fintech. From joining two early stage startups to one of Silicon Valley's darling tech companies, to now joining one of Canada's leading fintech companies, Leslie Ann has learned what it takes to leverage new age technology to help solve some of today's toughest business problems. Welcome to the podcast, Leslie Ann, and let's get going. All right, welcome back to another episode of Building Digital Community. On this episode, I have a DeGroote alum, Leslie Ann Blakely. Leslie Ann, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm even more excited. I remember uh, when Joel connected us looking at your LinkedIn profile, I'm like, I cannot wait to talk to this person. <laughs> she seems so cool. And, uh, I'm really happy. We were finally able to, uh, to connect and, and have you on the show. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of my LinkedIn, so I'm, yeah. I'm glad it piqued your interest. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so we always like to start off with some rapid fire questions just to kind of uh, break the ice a little bit. So I've got about three or four questions if you're ready to go. I'm, I'm as ready as I will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so would you rather spend an afternoon at Ikea or Costco? I would say Ikea um, because Ikea for me just is the, like the aesthetics. It's very simple. Mm clean lines, like pretty, you know, not overwhelming. Um, and I, as a person who loves organization and like things that appear simple and, and aren't like crazy everywhere, which oftentimes mm-hmm. Costco, especially on a Sunday can be, um, I, I think I would just rather avoid that and go to Ikea. And plus I love looking at furniture and, and seeing all the different types of things Ikea has. Awesome. I love it. Um, maybe get some, uh, maybe go, uh, drop by the food court as well while you're there. I was going to say the food court there in my mind trumps the Costco food court, which is usually like hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, all right. Next question for you. If you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, which three would you keep outside of like, the, um, I think the standard, like messages phone, like you still get those kind of like built-in ones. Okay. Okay. Um, I would keep house Sigma (laughs) because I love seeing what's happening in the real estate market. I Mm -hmm. love seeing, like looking at what people have done with their homes. Um, my husband and I live in a smaller, older Toronto home. And so I love getting inspiration from what other people have done with their small places. Um, I also would love to keep, what am I using these days? I do use Instagram to keep mm-hmm. up with like what's happening. I don't, I'm not a very active poster and I'm not huge on social media, but I love keeping up with what's happening with my friends and family. And that's an app that they, um, that a lot of people are still using. And I also get to see like, I get the targeted ads are very good. So I start to put together my Christmas list uh, yeah. by looking at <laughs> things on Instagram. Um, and I would also probably keep, I'd say I keep probably LinkedIn is another one that I'm using mm-hmm. a lot. Not, not so much for the social aspect, but there's a lot of articles on a lot of really good um, snippets of information that I find really interesting. And people are, are thought leaders in a lot of really different spaces that mm-hmm. like are newer um, or things I just haven't known before. And, and I feel like the content on LinkedIn is actually 
improved so much. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I find a lot of articles that I read from more of like a leadership business, um, yeah. just life perspective, I get through my LinkedIn feed and the things that I follow. Very cool. A good three. I've never heard of it. Was it House Sigma? The first one? Yeah. I haven't heard of that one before, but maybe I'll, uh, I'll check it out after oh, this. If you're into real estate, that one's for That's you. That's the one. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Uh, what is something that you're currently watching on like Netflix or any of those kind of streaming platforms? Uh, yeah. So currently watching Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. Great one. Apple. Oh my gosh. It's so I'm on season two and I, I love it. It's such a, a happy, um, like punchy, like it really Mm -hmm. has that like dry sense of humor, but also just like feel good, um, like scenes and and acting yeah. and especially in like the crazy world that we find ourselves in it's really nice to put on a show that can just make you laugh and like feel good about things I love it yeah it's one of my favorite shows by far I think the reason I probably got Apple TV uh, <laughs> <laughs> that between that and I think the morning show is it, those are the two big ones um, yeah so yeah a great pick Ted Lasso definitely recommend it to everyone Um, last rapid file, rapid fire question for you is what is your like go-to comfort meal? Oh, um, I would have to say probably macaroni and cheese. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's one that, you know, growing up, I loved craft dinner, um, specifically that brand, uh, over time I've had to, to do, there's so many options out there now. And Mm -hmm. I do have a, uh, dairy allergy. So thankfully there are some brands out there that have made like macaroni and cheese options that I can have. And it's still something that I, it's my go-to a little bit of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. And then I just like, that's my meal at the end of the day. <laughs> I love it. So I got, since you brought up the ketchup, I got to ask, are you like the, the squirt, the ketchup, like all over the mac and cheese, or are you more of like a, a dipper have it on the side and, and, uh, dip it in as you go? Yeah, I would say the dipper. Like I don't, I don't love a ton of ketchup on my macaroni and cheese, but just enough that it like curbs that craving. Uh, Okay. That's cool. I've, I've seen, uh, I I feel like that's a controversial topic. I don't know if it's necessarily with mac and cheese, but I've seen a lot with French fries. It's like whether Mm, you dip them in or if it's it's all over. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy you said it's more of the dipper because yeah, I'm definitely on the, on that team (laughs) as well. Awesome. So that kind of ends like our rapid fire segment for, uh, for the podcast. So we'll get into kind of the, the meat, I guess, of the podcast. And I really want to start things off with, uh, as we kind of talk about your career journey, really start things off at the beginning. So I know you did life sciences at McMaster and really have been a, a lifelong McMaster student. Um, so talk to me a little bit about kind of your transition from going to life sciences at Mac to eventually starting your, your MBA. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I'm definitely marauder through and through. Um, <laughs> and yeah, big, big supporter of Mac. Actually, when I first started Mac, I started a program called Medic- Medical Radiation Science. Mm-hmm. It was a joint program between Mac and Mohawk College. And I spent my first year in that program, which was all science-based courses, um, later realized that, that that program was very targeted. It had me going on a very specific path and something that eventually as I get to further down in my career journey, but what I came to learn about myself is I, I love options. I love not having a clear path. I like knowing that there's a few different routes that I can take to get to where I want to go. Um, and so after that first year in MedRad, I decided to switch into life science uh, where I had a lot more options. I had a bit more flexibility on what I could take in my courses. And I kind of dabbled in a few different spots within science and then also within psychology and and a bunch of different courses. Uh, Loved it. Um, When I, and throughout actually I spent, I also played lacrosse at Mac. So I didn't have as many courses in the fall semester. So my undergrad actually ended up being four and a half years. So I went back for uh, a semester. And then that also gave me a bit more time to think about, okay, I'm going to have this science degree. What do I want to do? A lot of my um, classmates were either, you know, wanting to go into medical school, maybe actually stick with research. 
um, going physiotherapy. Like there was in like a few different like healthcare streams. And I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. Um, I always thought when I was going off to university, like med school was the like end game. Like that was where I wanted to be. Um, realized that there was certain things that weren't as, um, I wanted to get out in the world, in the world, like really fast. Like I wanted to get out, have an impact. I had taken a few courses in public health and, and figured like, this is where I want to be. I want to be in our public healthcare system. Um, and potentially how do I drive change? And that's where the, I started going to, um, uh, career fairs at Mac and there was a presentation that was done from people that had gone into the DeGroot um, MBA program and talked about the co-op option. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize, oh, wow, there's actually a health services management route uh, at our business school. And this gives me a chance to actually get out into the working world and go and, and see what it would be like to work uh, in healthcare and, and try to explore different career options. So that after those like career fairs, talking to some friends that had siblings that had gone through the program, specifically the HSM or health services management route, it made the, made the decision for me. I decided, yeah. well, I'm going to write my GMAT and I'm going to try to get into the group. And specifically, I want the co-op program because I didn't have any work experience and I was mm -hmm. fresh out of undergrad. Um, so then I, I had gotten accepted into DeGroot and Basically, yeah, the health services management route um, went from very beginning. I stayed in that course, uh, which also uh, I had there were certain courses I needed to take. So there were some courses in, at DeGroot that I would have loved to have take, taken, but um, I focused a lot more on the healthcare option. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So that that's thank, thanks for sharing that that kind of journey and um it's interesting that you said that you kind of you started off with like kind of that med school um yeah. dream because I, I i resonate with that a lot i did my undergrad in in biology and business and mm -hmm. i had that mm -hmm. i had 100% had that same dream um luckily i did like a, a co-op undergrad so i got to mm -hmm. try a, a few different things um there and realized I should realize, I think after a couple first year calculus courses <laughs> that I don't know if this is the right path for me, um, yeah. but kind of strayed more towards the, the business end. So it's, it's, that's really cool that, and that piece of your story definitely resonated with me a lot. Um, so as you kind of like, I guess, reflect on, on your time at DeGroote and, and specifically in the MBA and your MBA experience, mm -hmm. um, what were maybe some of the like best moments, um, from that experience, or is there, is there anything that really like stands out either as like, um, like one of your favorite moments or one of your biggest learnings or, or challenges that you overcame during that time? Yeah. Um, some really like, so moments for me probably, and maybe this, I'm not sure if you experienced this with your co-op, uh, experience, but I'd never gone through you know, proper recruitment phase or really having to sell myself and like mm -hmm. my experiences and what I'm capable of, my skills. Um, I've always struggled with like self-advocacy and, and, and talking about myself. Um, so I think one of the, the skills and, and big things that I took away from being in a co-op program is because you had to go through that interview process, that recruitment, the constant updating of your resume, um, and even to the point of updating your LinkedIn, it really got me comfortable with interviewing uh, and and being able to talk about myself and being able to do it in a concise way because you only get a short period of time with a person you have never met before. And it, it really is, in, in my mind at least, like, a, a, a big skill, uh, to be able to, to interview yeah. and, and talk about yourself. hundred percent. So I'd say that that is probably a, a really big thing. Um, I also had always been shy when it came to presenting in front of groups of people, whether those groups are big or small. Mm -hmm. And so starting at DeGroote, knowing how many courses required presentations and that being some of them, sometimes I feel like you're presenting once a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I quickly got over that fear. Uh, and to this day, I actually, I really enjoy 
getting up in front of a, a group of people and talking, especially if it's a, it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, being more comfortable in my own skin and, and getting up in front of people that I know and maybe people that I don't know, um, because I had to, to do that so often throughout the MBA program, I really, um, I really got used to it and, and, and found myself coming out of that program stronger in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, another, I guess, to build on that defining moment is at the time at DeGroote, there was a student run um, for-profit uh, consulting firm called Focus Business Consulting or FBC. And fortunately I was on a team, I was part of FBC with four of my peers. And that was my first introduction and step outside of healthcare. I'd done like two healthcare co-ops and then I decided, you know what, I want to take a chance on myself. I want to try to see what it's like to almost like run your own business in a pretty risk-free environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that also required me going out, helping with the team, getting business, presenting findings and, or, you know, pitching to, to people I'd never met before. So I was really out of my comfort zone. And I think that totally changed my uh, perspective on how Mm -hmm. I want to be in the world and and the types of roles and companies and and career options that I want to go after. Very cool. Um, Yeah, I think a a couple of things that I think really stood out to me is one is that self-advocacy piece, because I think that's something that I know I definitely struggle with. I'm also like pretty, pretty introverted. So I think just speaking about myself and, you know, speaking to my skills and my strengths, like (laughs) I just, I I don't know, like I'm still kind of uncomfortable (laughs) doing that. Um, I'm curious, like what was it, was it practice that like really helped you overcome that? Or is there any, I guess, tips or pieces of advice you would give to others that may be struggling with that self-advocacy piece in order to help kind of build that skill set a little bit more? Cause that in itself, I think is, is a skill. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's something I still, I'm, I'm very much with you on the part of, you know, I, my introverted side and, and, you know, not really wanting to talk about, you know, my accomplishments or things that I've done, uh, or just feels unnatural. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to kind of just do really great work and like be really supportive, be a great teammate, like lead change effectively. Um, but not necessarily like go out and talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, it's definitely something I've had to practice. Um, I have managed to surround myself with people that encourage me to, to talk more about, mm-hmm. you know, the things that I've done um, and to, to just be like proud of, of not so much calling them skills, but one term that um, I was working with a, a coach and, at one point and called them my special gifts, which I never would have called them that. Uh, So even to know that these are things that, you know, I have these gifts and, you know, that's, it's not something to, to keep from people because those gifts or skills or experiences could be really helpful um, to a lot of people um, in many different ways. And if I, if I don't talk about them and don't offer up some of those insights into what I've done. And oftentimes like, no, no one's going to know. Um, so yeah, I would say also, yeah. So practicing talking yeah. through things, uh, for sure. And even writing it down, which I do sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, building a support network that will also help you, um, like build that, um, I guess, strength and, and build that confidence, mm-hmm. uh, is really helpful. And I've done that through a few different ways with like peers that I'm really close to like my closest friends. I have worked with uh, leadership coaches in the past, which has, you know, been a tremendous help. And I've also just found uh, great like mentors like along the way. That's awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely get into that kind of mentorship um, coaching, that kind of aspect of the, of, uh, of your career later and later in the podcast. And I think a, a huge one. Um, so thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I think it also goes back to kind of what you were speaking about, about, um, you know, especially in school, it's kind of like a risk for environment. Like this is your opportunity to take chances and take risks. And 
whether that's, you know, trying to promote yourself within the program or, um, trying to like trying something brand new, like this is, this is the time to do it. I've always kind of pictured this MBA as I I called it my two-year playground. Like it's an opportunity just to try something brand new. If I love it. Amazing. I found some, something new that I'm passionate about. If I hate it, it's cool. We'll move on to the next thing. And, uh, you know, um, so I, I really like that aspect of, you know what, it's a, it's a risk-free environment. Use this as an opportunity to just test it out, test out your approach. If it works great, if not keep moving. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. You're to your playground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we, Leslie, and we, we finish up the MBA. Um, you worked, uh, for, you worked in healthcare for a few years after that, uh, ticket health, then, um, Alea care as well. So talk to me through that experience. And, um, I think also a little bit about kind of what, what, what was it that drew you to the healthcare industry and, and wanting to wanting to work in health in healthcare? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so healthcare is something that is definitely near and dear to my heart. I, I've always, even of course, going into university, uh, in high school, even I always wanted to be involved in healthcare in one way, shape, or form. Um, and I, when I was exposed to what it was like to work in in a, the healthcare system, so through the Degroot Co-op program, I worked at a hospital um, in Hamilton, and then I also worked at a provincial agency at Cancer Care Ontario uh, in Toronto. And it just, it gave me some exposure to seeing how these things operated. And one thing that I really, really cared about was how do we, you know, create environments that are super supportive of the, you know, healthcare providers that are out there every day um, doing their best and supporting a pretty large patient population. Um, So the healthcare providers and then the patient population for me as being someone who's part been part of that population mm-hmm. um how do you create like great experiences for the patient or mm-hmm. the end user and that to me was something i really wanted to drive change um and became very interested in how you could do that um and so when i was when it came time to leave degroot i definitely wanted to be part of that. And I wasn't sure how, but I knew there was a lot of exciting stuff happening from a technology perspective. I knew that industry uh, was ripe for change. There was a lot of of opportunity to bring innovation and technology and healthcare. Um, And while I was, you know, as many students, you know, when you're finishing up school, you're searching for jobs online or you're networking and you're talking to people a ran- one random day I happened to be on Twitter and I was just uh, a company I was following at the time was tweeting and they were tweeting back and forth with this company called Shift Health at the time, which is now called Ticket. And I was just very curious. I'm like, who is this company talking to Telus Health? Um, what are they like? I've never heard of them before. And I, I <laughs> looked up their profile um, and then actually like reached out on LinkedIn as I was able to find uh, people that worked there and I reached out to the uh, co-founder and I asked for a coffee chat. Um, and we've met at a Starbucks in Etobicoke and, and ended up having coffee and I learned about what they were doing, what they were trying to do. And that just uh, the next thing, and we hit it off. And the next thing I knew when I was graduating, I was going to be working at this five person company um, trying to, you know, bring the iPad or tablet experience into the patient's like waiting room um, and and help more so. Uh, it was a survey-based platform that was trying to help, especially those with English as a second language. Um, it was trying to bring gamification into surveys to help with the patient populations of youth and adolescents to communicate better with their healthcare providers and to share more cool. information that, that would uh, aid in that relationship. Very cool. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that sounds like an awesome experience and kind of going to that, you know, that startup world as well, like a, a company of, of five people, I think you said, <laughs> and like that, yeah. that, that in itself is like a whole, whole kind of different, <laughs> different ballgame. Yeah. My parents were 
we're concerned. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean you're not going to, you know, a company that we know about? Like, yeah. what do you mean you don't have benefits? What do you mean, like, that you're getting paid that much? Like, how are you going to survive mm-hmm. living in Toronto? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And what was, I guess, uh, that's that brings up a good question, because, like, when you were kind of figuring out where you want to go with your career, like startup world versus like larger corporate um, yep. corporate environment. Those are two very, very different things. And obviously pros and cons to, to each of those things as well. So was there mm-hmm. anything that kind of pushed you more towards that, that startup world, especially at that point in your career? Yeah, I, for me, I think after I did uh, like FBC at DeGroote, it really, I loved the scrappiness. I loved wearing multiple hats. I liked trying things for the first time that I knew nothing about before. Um, I, I really loved that small team feeling. Um, and I, you know, because I'd had an introduction to working at larger organizations, something just felt off about me going there, even though there were a lot of beneficial things that could come from going to a large organization. But for me at the time, pretty, you know, early stage in my career, um, and nothing really holding me back uh, from taking maybe a bit of more of a risk and going to a small unknown tech startup. Uh, it just, it felt like, well, why not? Like I've, I've never yeah. done, if there's, if there's a time to take a risk and a chance on myself, like now is the time I, yeah. I don't really have anything um, that I'm really like accountable for, or like people are relying on me. I'm kind of my own person. Um, and so that was like, it didn't, it wasn't overnight. This, it wasn't an overnight decision, but it ended up coming down to like, this just feels like the right thing for me right now, because I just want to learn as much as I can mm-hmm. while I'm young and I have the energy and I feel like taking on a bit more risk. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, very cool. So then we, we kind of fast forward, we pivot from healthcare and now we're going to Slack, like heads, yeah. heads, like ankles deep yeah. in, in tech right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like, especially at a point where, um, you were there, was it four years roughly you were there? Yeah. A little over four years. Yeah. So four years. Um, I think also at, at a time where Slack was, was growing pretty, pretty quickly, especially probably towards the, the latter end of, of your time there when the pandemic mm-hmm. kind of first started and, you know, organizations are, are really hopping on, uh, platforms such as Slack teams, things like that. Um, so walk me through, I guess, what was it like doing that kind of industry pivot and, and switching from more of a healthcare focus into that more kind of core, um, tech company and what your experience at at Slack was like, especially in those kind of high growth years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the pivot, the pivot was definitely not something I ever saw really coming, um, so I've been using, I was an early user of Slack. So at, at Ticket, we used Slack. We were like beta users. Um, and then when I went on to Care, we also used Slack. Um, Alike, and I'll say like just before I got to Slack, where my love for technology and like working with engineering teams and product teams and, and design teams, um, when all that started to kind of come together was through Care. Um, So when I joined that company, uh, it was, there was 12 of us, um, very small team. So I worked really closely with a lot of different parts of the business. Um, and then when I left there, I think the company was around 50, Mm -hmm. but one thing I started to, to really learn that I loved, Oh, excuse me, learn that I loved was, and drawing back to like that end user experience that I talked about with like Mm -hmm. why healthcare, um, I really took like a strong, um, I guess, passion towards providing really great experiences for the people that you are building products for, or you're designing services for. And I wanted to go work with the best of the best and with a company that really championed its end users and built a product, um, for its customers. And, to, for as a Slack customer, I knew what they valued. I felt had been following the company, like the fact that they were able to grow so much through a lot of like word of mouth and just people loving their products. 
in my mind, as soon as I knew that they were opening up a Toronto office, I'm like, this could be a, a chance, again, another learning opportunity, not necessarily in healthcare, but I could go potentially work for a company that really excels in, in like what I'm passionate towards mm-hmm. and learn from the people that have built that type of culture uh, and, and really kind of sink my teeth into like the tech world. Yeah. Um, and so that is really what kind of drove my interest is more, again, learning opportunity. I could develop and grow um, my own skills yeah. and, and, uh, and also meet a lot of uh, like-minded people that also just cared about really great product and really great customer service. For sure. And it seems like that that aspect of customer service and customer experience, like it seems, yes, you might have kind of switched between different industries, but it seems like that's the thing that has kind of been um, like the commonality, I guess, between each step of your career. Yes, absolutely. That has definitely been the common thread that has um, driven me to to make some of these changes that haven't been easy changes, but have been um, changes that I've, I have not regretted for one one second. Awesome. And before we get into kind of your, your time with well, well, simple, um, I feel like one of the questions I, I always have in terms of, you know, career pivots is like, how do you know it is the right time to make a change? And, and this might be a tough question because I feel like that process may look different for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, wh- when did you know, like it was the right time for you to make that kind of career pivot? and switch mm-hmm. from you know, not only just industries, but also, but also roles as well. Yeah. Um, for me, so something that I, I do try to make a lot of time for is, is, you know, checking in with, my, with myself. I said, I'm very like goal oriented growth and development learning. Um, I have this constant, um, I guess, or eager, eagerness to learn this constant, like thirst for knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. and when I looked at, um, that transition out of healthcare and into, um, enterprise software, for example, um, a lot of it came down to, you know, what have I learned in my current role and at my current company, what are some of the things that maybe I really want to spend more time and lean harder into, Um, and can I do, can I do that here or can I do that somewhere else? Um, I think when I realized like that, I wanted to really lean into customer service and, and building like really great customer experiences and that opportunity came up. It just, for me, it felt, it was a hard decision for sure. Um, because you get to, as you, when you're working in smaller companies or smaller teams, you get to know people so well and you build like trust and you build really strong relationships and you just love working together and you go through the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially in a startup. Um, and so to make that decision was really hard, but from a career perspective, for me, it just felt like the right decision. Um, and then even then going, um, you know, when I thought of like leaving Slack was a really, really hard decision. Again, I feel like the decisions got harder, mm-hmm. the more into my career I got into. And Slack is the place I spent the longest amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so towards the end of that, again, it came down to revisiting, you know, the goals that I had for myself from a growth and development perspective. And was I able to do that in my current role or current place of work? And if I wasn't, well, what's it like out there? So always yeah. being open to what's out there and not just only thinking like, I'm here now, I have to stay here. It's mm-hmm. it's more around like knowing like what it is that you're looking for, what it is that you want and and being open to seeing what's, what else is out there in the world. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that openness is so important because you never really know when these types of opportunities are going to present themselves and just kind of being, being prepared for, for when they do. And I really love how you said, you know, you really focus on that constant reflection and that constant like personal and and professional reflection in terms of what you want out of, you know, your career, but also like the personal aspect and like continuing to push yourself and um, you know, all those things. So, so that's awesome. 
Um, so then that, that kind of brings you to well, simple, um, still again, on that, on that customer experience, uh, side of things, um, walk me through, first of all, you, you've been there. It's, it's just under a year, I believe. Um, so walk me through kind of like what this first year has, has been like, again, kind of making that industry transition still kind of within tech, but now more in the FinTech realm. Um, yeah. What has this, this first year with well simple been like? Oh my gosh. It's been so many things. It's been (laughs) a a huge year of learning for me. Mm. Um, personally, it was my first time onboarding remotely at a company, uh, which was such a different experience. Um, you know, I am one, even though I have an introverted side, I do love that building connection, building relationships. I love meeting people. Uh, and so having to learn how to do that through Slack or through Zoom mm-hmm. uh, was so different. Um, so that was that was a whole new experience. Uh, yes, actually, I refer to the last year like the year of new experiences. Um, mm-hmm. I stepped more into a people manager role for my first time, which that was a that was something that I was really wanting to to start to try out and see if that is something that I like versus, you know, being an individual contributor, which I had built my career in so far. And so I stepped into that and I, I learned how much I really enjoy it. And, but that's totally different way of, of having, um, of working when Mm -hmm. you have to think about, you know, your team and, and the growth and development of other people. Um, not just the things that I'm working on in my own growth and development. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was huge. Um, I was fortunate enough to be put on some um, great projects and, and meet a lot of people uh, in part in different parts of the company. Um, so I, you know, meeting a lot of people, I'm working in an industry I knew very little about only in the last, you know, three to five years had I actually started to take a, an interest in my own personal finance and investing and uh, and part of that actually is is due to um, a really good friend of mine who's also a, a DeGroote MBA grad who started up with a with another actually DeGroote MBA grad two of them started up a women's investment club and uh, a few years ago and and I joined and and realized like wow I actually like love this this is I'm learning yeah. so much like finance is so intimidating and such a you know, a bit of a scary topic. And also there's so much to know. And and so to be able to kind of break down those barriers to yeah. actually getting educated and learning about that industry, which is something well simple is, is so it's like core to its values is, you know, yeah. creating that financial freedom for everyone yeah. uh, really spoke to me. Um, and so it's been a lot of learning about what happens in that industry and how, yeah. how, you know, where are there opportunities for, you know, companies like a well simple to really change the game for the masses. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's been a big year of just learning about that industry in general. Yeah. Amazing. Um, one of the things I, I always loved about well simple is I feel like they really focus in on that financial literacy piece and just like getting people more comfortable, like talking about finances. Cause yeah. that was something at least like when I was like, even still today, a little bit, like people didn't really talk about it much. It was like, Oh, keep, keep this like very close to yourself. Don't let anyone else know <laughs> finances or don't talk about it. Um, yeah, I love that. They're kind of like breaking down those walls a little bit and really getting people more, more comfortable asking these questions and then talking about this sort of stuff. So I think that's, uh, that's, that's, so, so important. Um, and it kind of leads into my, my next question. Cause obviously I think the, the world of FinTech is, is newer in, in Canada, I think, especially, mm-hmm. um, you see like, um, countries out in Europe doing some really cool things, Europe, Europe and, and Asia doing some really cool things with, uh, within the realm of FinTech. Um, so maybe like within Canada, where do you see kind of like the financial industry FinTech kind of like going towards in the, in the next, uh, in the next few years? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I feel like there's probably so many opportunities that are happening, but I think mm-hmm. the part that I, and even as a consumer, um, that I start to see a, a big opportunity and a huge value is being a little bit more human, 
centric. Yeah. <laughs> um, making, you know, finance and banking and any ways of managing your money a bit more with the consumer or like customers or everyday people like you and I at the center mm -hmm. of it, um, rather than it being more transactional um, mm -hmm. or somewhere where you just go to get your money or you, you know, now we're using apps to do all that too. But even to the point where, you know, my experience is in customer service, like how does that become more of a, um, an experience where you're, you're actually bringing that customer like along with you and they're part of the whole ecosystem rather than just, you know, this trend. Yeah. Like I mentioned, yeah. like this transactionary relationship. Yeah. I, I love that. It, it speaks to like trying to make it more of a, a relationship building, like building that relationship more than just like, oh, this is a place I'm going to get money and like make a deposit or make a withdrawal or whatever the case may be. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And also more simple. <laughs> like yeah. Speaking of just, uh, well, simple, of course, but just thinking about, you know, all these things, I get so confused sometimes when I'm mm -hmm. thinking about my finances or my, you know, RSP, TFSA, like there's just a lot of things that mm -hmm. we as, you know, everyday people have to be thinking about, have to be managing. How do we just make that as simple as possible so that we're yeah you know, doing the things we need to do, but we can also carry on with our, with our, the lifestyles we would like, or like yeah. with our, you know, the thing, our personal interests and all that other stuff. That's really great. But we know we have like a way to, to save and, or, you know, plan for those like exciting, mm -hmm. um, you know, milestones that we want within like our life. Yeah. Amazing. Um, last question I have for you on the, on the well simple end before we head into the charity aspect it's just like describe kind of like what a day-to-day -day experience looks like. I'm sure every day is like a little bit different, <laughs> especially in something like customer experience. Um, but like, talk to me maybe a little bit about what are, what are some of your, your key focuses kind of within that role? Yeah. So I, so being in an operations team, um, a lot of like my day day, my day-to-day -day does change quite a bit. Some of it will be, you know, I get, I lead a lot of different projects that are cross-functional in nature, like working with different parts of mm -hmm. the business to move something forward that, you know, we've put as like a, a goal for yeah. our year or for our quarter. So a lot of the times I'm doing, you know, a lot of stakeholder management, relationship building, putting out fires, uh, keeping, you know, keeping the train on the tracks keeping mm -hmm. things moving, making sure, you know, if someone's challenged or blocked by something and they can no longer maybe move their work forward, but it, you know, could impact the broader project or program mm -hmm. that I'm running. And I will work with them to figure out how can we like solve this? How can we, so it's a lot of problem solving. Um, I also, so I get to spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, I also, you know, there's times where right now I'm not managing anyone because I'm building a, a net new team at Will Simple. So I will be managing people again in the future, not so distant future. But back, you know, a few months ago, a lot of my day was, you know, spending time talking with my team, helping mm -hmm. them work through problems and, and being there to help, you know, guide and, and you know, have development conversations um, and like supporting them in the ways that they need to be supported. Um, and then, you know, of course, I think just a lot more the day-to-day -day is, is a lot of t talking to people and, and yeah. really like focusing on getting work done. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, awesome. And it, I, I still find it really cool how like, again, you may have navigated different positions, different industries, but really kind of having that consumer at the core of, of everything that every role that you've taken and every kind of position you've had. I, I love that that's kind of been I guess, I don't know if anchor is the right word, but like kind of, kind of that, that anchor in, in every single role that you're taking. So mm -hmm. I think that's awesome how, you know, you, you may be pivoting to different things, but having that, that, what that like core professional value, um, stick with you throughout it all. So that that's fantastic. Um, so next we're going to, we're going to pivot to this charity segment. Um, so this is something we started up on, on season two of the podcast, where I asked my guests to kind of speak to us about a charity that's important to them. I think it's awesome just to kind of raise awareness about some of these great charities, especially during COVID times. 
Um, I think a lot of organizations are hurting a little bit more and it's starting to bounce back now, which is, which is awesome. Um, but I think anything we can do to kind of help raise that awareness piece is, uh, is great. So, uh, yeah, Leslie Ann, talk to me about the, the charity that you have chosen for this episode and why they are important to you. Yeah. So I chose Ronald McDonald house in Hamilton, actually, specifically the Hamilton location, but I do donate to the broader charity now that I'm no longer in Hamilton. Um, so I chose that charity for a couple of reasons. I, when I was a student at Mac, um, I had volunteered at the Ronald McDonald house. And of course this was very much pre-COVID times um, where you had the opportunity to go in and create meals for the people that were staying there while their mm -hmm. kids were at the children's hospital. And I, I loved it. I, I did it a few times and it was something that I, I very much valued. You had a chance to meet some of the families that were there you got it, you got to work, like you could do it in teams. So you like at one point, our lacrosse team did it. Um, another point when I was at DeGroote, we put together a few of us went in and did that over like around the holiday season. Um, and I just, the charity itself, a lot of, and I don't have kids, but I know that, you know, having the space for families to go while they're going through that type of personal experience um, to me just like means so much and, yeah. and knowing that, you know, you can play a role in, in helping families in, in that sort of way, uh, in a, in a different way. And to me, that just, it's just a great way to, to so show like your support and, and, you know, help to create a, a comfortable, yeah. um, environment when something, when they're going through a time that is, is not maybe, um, overly positive. Yeah, I love that. Um, definitely a fantastic charity, um, uh, Ronald McDonald House. Um, we'll definitely link it in the, we'll tag them on social media, link it in uh, in the show notes as well. So if, listeners, if you haven't heard of them, definitely go check them out. Um, some of the most, I think, uh, impactful advertising I've also seen. Um, they do, I think they do a fantastic job in their marketing. Um, so that's great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, heard of them, definitely go check it out. Um, check out some of the awesome work that they're doing. And, uh, you know, if you're able to support them, um, from a monetary point of view, that's, that's great as well. Um, so thank you for sharing that, uh, Leslie Ann. And, um, as we kind of move into the next part of the podcast centered around like mentorship, um, and, and kind of coaching and leadership, can you talk to me about the role that like mentorship has, uh, has played in your life, both, you know, like finding, you know, mentors and, and those strong leaders, um, as you kind of navigate it throughout your career. And if I don't, I'm not sure if you're a, you're a mentor to, to others as well, and kind of, um, how you, I guess, how you go about, um, that experience and those relationships as well. Yeah. And I feel like the topic of mentorship does come up quite a bit. And I know I've, definitely been part of conversations where like, you know, what's a good mentor? How do you be a mm -hmm. good mentee and, and all that type of stuff. And I'd say for me, I've had, um, I've had a few mentors along my, throughout my career, um, you know, and, and of the ones like, and many that are still very much in my, uh, network that I will reach out to and we keep in touch and have had a really lasting impact on, almost who I've become uh, as a like working professional, but then also in my personal life. And, you know, I think with mentorship, I find that none of my mentors or people that I really look up to, or when I want to seek advice, when I think of who are my, like, who's on my personal board of directors, yeah. like, you know, the company, you know, Leslie Ann's company, like who are my people that I reach out to and, um, for certain things. And, and I think the people that I receive like help from or guidance, they all play a very different role mm -hmm. and they might be from different parts of my career. Like I, ha I have a, a, some people that I stay in touch with from my ally care experience. And, you know, that was a very much, you know, scrappy, like we're in this together um, like learning the ins and outs of, of, you know, starting a team and, and 
getting like new software up and running with customers and, and, you know, rolling up your sleeves and, and really not being afraid to try new things. And so I have, um, people from that, from those days that are still very much people that I look up to and reach out mm -hmm. to when I need advice. And then I have people from my experience at Slack that I still very much keep in touch with some, I still have standing, you know, lunch meetings in my calendar, uh, where we'll keep in touch, uh, monthly or quarterly. Um, and then, you know, and my new work experience, I've now built like a, a I've expanded my, my network and now has, mm -hmm. you know, I received, you know, mentorship through that Avenue. Um, I've also, for me personally, uh, when I'm going through career transitions or trying to work on certain skills, especially with a leadership capacity, I have made personal investments in um, coaching and having like a coach to help guide me yeah. with some of that. Um, and that to me, it doesn't work for everyone, but for me, it's so, it's really nice to have an unbiased uh, view sometimes because my mentors will know me quite well. Mm -hmm. And then having a coach kind of come in, you know, ask those very open-ended questions, really probing me to like dig a bit deeper on what it is I'm trying to do or the mm -hmm. thing that I'm, you know, struggling with. Um, and so that to me has been, uh, fortunately, I've been able to, to use some, whether it's professional development funds or my own like funds to, yeah. to have that as a resource. Awesome. That's a fantastic, like, I've never really thought of that as, uh, you know, as I've never really considered that, like having a more formalized, um, kind of like leadership coach, but I, I love that idea. And I think I, I totally agree with that you know, the, the importance of having that non-biased opinion, um, as you kind of navigate through these situations, as well as I, I like, I really love that idea of kind of your own personal board of directors. And it seems like you've built like a very diverse set of that, that group of board of directors and like taking them from each step of, of your career, from, you know, your healthcare focus, Slack now currently building that with well simple as well. So, you know, you get different different, uh, people from different points in your life and, um, you know, know you in, in different capacities. So, uh, that's awesome that they can kind of give you a diverse range of, uh, experiences and, um, and viewpoints as well, which I think is, is so important when you're talking about mentorship, because you don't want everyone to think the exact same way. You want people that no, are going to yeah. challenge you and help, help you think of, uh, um, situations in, in a different light. So I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we are getting towards the end of the podcast, um, before we wrap things up, I think there's been a lot of, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing so much about your, you know, your journey. Um, if there was, you know, one takeaway or something that you want listeners to, you know, after listening to this podcast, you want listeners to walk away with, um, what, what would that be? Yeah. And that might be tough because there's been a lot of nuggets throughout the, <laughs> yeah, the last like 45 yeah. minutes. I know it's, um, I think I'd have to say for anyone listening to this and, and thank you for those that have listened. I really appreciate it. Um, and this has been really fun. Honestly, my, the thing I'd like to leave behind is, you know, to really stay curious um, and, and that openness to, to whatever comes your way. And I think for me that, and that might not, you know, work for everyone, but that curiosity, and even if that curiosity doesn't take you, you know, to a new job, but it might take you to maybe a new type of project or expose you to different ways of, of working or uh, different departments at a company. And, and just, I think that constant curiosity and willingness to try things out um, knowing that sometimes you're going to try things out and you're really not going to like it. Um, but that's okay. I feel like there's, you know, nothing's ever really set in stone and you are your, you know, you're in charge of your career and to really, uh, take ownership of that. Um, that's something I've probably learned, uh, the hard way and also kept with is really comes down to when you're making career moves and, and wanting to chart your own path. It really is up to you. And so I think that, openness and curiosity, um, is, is a really important part of that. I love it. Yeah. You're not, you're steering your own ship. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have uh, people there to help you and like, in terms of like be there yeah. to support you, but you are, 
You're the captain. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, awesome. Well, Leslie Ann, you are out of the hot seat now. Um, if you have, if you have any questions for me, now would be the time. Yes. Oh my gosh. This feels so nice to finally <laughs> be on this side of the conversation. Um, I'm curious to, to hear like what you're thinking about, you know, you're going to be finishing school. Like what thoughts are going through your mind and, and like, what's, what's next? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first of all, thoughts that are going through my mind is where did this last like year and a half of my life go? <laughs> yeah. um, I think especially starting this, uh, starting this whole experience remotely. Um, and like this being this starting September being the first time I'm, you know, at RJC moved on to the West end, uh, in Burlington and, you know, really getting that in-person experience. Like part of me feels like I, I just started the MBA this year. Um, because I'm yeah. finally getting, uh, all this experience, not to say like the first year, like, um, like, I, I don't know if I was, I don't feel like I was missing out or anything. Like we still made it work. Um, but it's, it's completely different having kind of like this in-person experience. So I think that's the first thing going through my mind is like, whoa, I have five weeks left <laughs> and I'm, I'm out the door. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing, but in terms of, I guess, like what's next for me, I I've luckily I've, I've kind of lined up kind of my next step career-wise, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. I'll be working, uh, uh, with CIBC as part of their technology leadership, uh, advancement programs, so like a two-year rotational program, um, to try out different areas in, uh, in financial services, specifically with regards to tech. Um, I've always been a huge tech fan. Like I worked, uh, I worked in tech for my few years before I started the MBA, um, and, but financial services is something that's kind of brand new to me. Um, so I'm really excited for this opportunity to do like a rotational program. Cause I get to try out a bunch of different things within, uh, within a two year span. Um, so that's next for me. That's not starting until August though. So I got three months off in between, uh, like mid April up until I start. So I'm very excited for that. Um, wow. there's nothing like I, I want to travel. I haven't booked anything yet. Uh, me and a couple of friends have been talking about going out to Europe, uh, but just kind of like the, the state of what's going on right now, we're just like, let's, let's hold off a little bit. We don't, we're not a hundred percent sure what the, what the world's going to look like at that point. Um, so, but I definitely want to, want to travel, do something because I'm never going to have that long of a chunk of time off again in my life. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that, uh... that's the plan. That's so exciting. Well, congrats on that. And I love, I mean, I've never done a rotational program, but I do know people that have done rotational programs and actually Joel has done them, mm-hmm. has done it as well. He did it at RBC and I've just heard amazing things and you really get a sense of some of the things that you like, and then maybe some of the things that you're like, not a huge fan of. Um, so that's, that's really cool. And definitely enjoy those three months. If there's anything that I wish I had was maybe more time between, um, school and, and work or, you know, between jobs, which I have yet to do. So I might have to take some inspiration at some yeah. point in my career. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, again, I'm, I'm never going to get this. I feel like hopefully, hopefully I'll never have like a, yeah, fingers crossed on that one that I'll never have a extended period of time off like that later in yeah. my career. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think especially after this, this two years of the MBA, but also like two years of COVID, like, I just, I feel like having that bit of a breather before I, I dive head first into, uh, into the rest of my career. I'm, I'm very excited for, for that opportunity. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, so Leslie, and before we say goodbye, uh, if someone has questions, if they want to reach out to you, learn more about you, your career, um, anything really, your lacrosse history, what is the, uh, what is the best way for them to, uh, to get in touch? I would say LinkedIn, um, the app that I would never get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, Leslie Ann Blakely. Um, and I, yeah, I'm pretty active on it. So I'd be happy to talk to anyone that might have questions. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Leslie Ann for, for joining the podcast. It was an absolute blast having you here. I <laughs> uh, really enjoyed this last like hour or so conversation. Um, so thank you again so much. And, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat again soon. Yes. Thanks for having me. 
All right, take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Building Digital Community, or you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Chirag Shet24. I'll see you next time. Take care and stay safe.